and welcome to a new episode of the Pets at Home Puppy Podcast. Podcast that takes genuinely frequently asked questions from members of our VIP Puppy and Kitten Club and puts them to our panel of experts who give some amazing advice on an array of puppy-related topics. I'm Kate Cornish, editor of My VIP, the customer magazine for Pets at Home, and this is a very special episode of the Pets at Home Puppy Podcast. Why is it so special, I hear you ask? Well, as you may know, on the 6th of February this year, 2022, Her Majesty the Queen became the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee, marking 70 years of service. Blimey, that is long. I thought I'd been here long enough, but 70 years, 70 years she's been in the job. And this is an unprecedented anniversary. And although celebrations have been taking place throughout the year, they will culminate in a four-day bank holiday weekend in the UK from Thursday the 2nd until Sunday the 5th of June. There will be loads of events that weekend, but the crescendo happens on Sunday the 5th of June with the big Jubilee lunch. Across the length and breadth of the country, people will be sharing food, laughter, friendship with their neighbours and their friends in the form of street parties, barbecues and picnics. Now, some of those neighbours will be human, but a copious amount of them will be canine and not just corgis. So we've brought together tips, tricks and advice to ensure that your puppies have as good and safe a time as you do. As I said, I'm your host, Kate Cornish, editor of My VIP magazine. And joining me today, I have three very special guests who you will hear from throughout the episode. First is Dr. Hugh Stacey, who is the Director of Clinical Services at Vets for Pets, as well as being a canine behaviourist. Then we have Dr. Samantha Butler-Davis, also from Vets for Pets, who's our go-to vet. And Claire Gavin, who is Director of Creative Development and Innovation at Pets at Home, who is our product expert. Hello to all three of you. Hi there, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. In 2012... How is that 10 years ago? Where is my life going? The UK celebrated the Diamond Jubilee in much the same way as we'll be celebrating the Platinum one this summer. Everyone had a street party and I remember my local one. It was uh, good fun. Uh, My dog Buddy at the time was only five months old. And so we tentatively took him with us because he was always quite good in groups of people. But I totally underestimated just how excited and frantic and overwhelmed he would get. Now, obviously, a few years on, 10 years on, Buddy is an old man and um, I know him like the back of my hand. So I feel a lot more equipped than I did back then when he was a little puppy. But I know for many of you, it will be the first event of this kind that your puppy will experience. And so I want to know what we should be doing as owners to keep our puppies calm in crowds. And to answer this question and many more, I have first up, Dr. Hugh Stacey. Where do we start? I think the first thing to recognise the huge difference between this and the Diamond Jubilee that you took Buddy to 10 years ago is that we've been in lockdown in a pandemic and there's a, a lot of pups out there are not going to have seen big crowds, large groups of people. You know, a lot of them grew up just in a small household with very little interaction. And that means when we talk about raising puppies and raising them to, you know, to be well-adjusted adult dogs, uh, there's things we talk about like socialization. And that's the process of when, particularly when they're young, taking them out, getting them used to meeting lots of different people lots of different dogs, uh, lots of animals of all shapes and sizes that you can find people of all different shapes and sizes. So socialization is a long-term process. And hopefully for all the puppy owners listening to this, 
this is something you've been able to chip away at even with the restrictions through lockdown. So hopefully your pups are pretty well socialized now. But the other part that goes alongside that is habituation, and that's getting used to things. Habituation is what we talk about with getting used to traveling in the car and seeing you know, large crowds of people and seeing trains and going on the train, lots of things like that, lots of things that they just have to kind of accept as part of the world. And again, hopefully you've managed to get that on board for them. And I think given that the when you listen to this, probably the, the Jubilee is a couple of weeks away, I think as a responsible dog owner, it's really important at this stage to really think, is my pup going to be equipped? Is it going to be a positive experience for them to go to this? Yeah, you can't go cramming them in. No, if they're nervous, if they're a shy dog, if you know, if if they are worried about the world, what we don't want to do is for them to have a bad experience. You know, a bad experience will set them back in a way that will take a long time for them to get past. I was going to say, will it will it will it be quite traumatizing for them because they're so young, or is that just generally for dogs? If they have a bad experience, they do actually remember it because they have very good memory. If dogs, I mean, it's a learning experience. Dogs are learning all the time, just like we are. And if it's a positive experience, then obviously it's a great thing. What you want, you know, part of being a responsible dog owner is trying to think, think about for them, trying to protect them, trying to avoid scary situations for them because that'll do them more harm than good. But if you think your pup is up to it, if you think they're actually coping well with the world, if they like people, if they seem confident and happy and forward going when meeting people, then go for it. You know, do take them along, but always have one eye on them and just think, are they dealing with this or is it, are they showing fearful behaviours? Are they, you know, is it too much for them? So Sam, I know that you got your puppy Doug during lockdown. Did you get a chance to socialise him in any sense? So you're right, we did get Doug in lockdown back in 2020, late 2020. Now I would say he, he'd been planned for a very long time. Mm. Um, so t- it wasn't ideal timing, but you know that's that's how he arrived. And we obviously missed out on a lot of the, the, the socialisation that Hugh's mentioned already, the big crowds, being able to walk around towns, taking him to train stations, because we'd created a whole plan before lockdown as to what we were going to do with our puppy. Hugh and I had spoken about it. He'd give me loads of advice. Perk of the job. Perk of the job. See, sit right next to him. I can just ask any question I want (laughs) uh, when it comes to canine behaviour. So Doug is now nearly two years old and really he should be in a very different place than he is at the moment. Mm. He's got no behavioural issues, but for Doug, like we keep an eye on him and we wouldn't take him to a Jubilee Street party because he's not actually managed yet to experience that big crowd situation. Right. You know, he's about, he's probably about nine months behind where he would normally be, but he's getting there and we're just, we're just having to take a little bit longer time. Uh, but I wouldn't want him to have uh, an upsetting experience that, you know, puts him back even more months and potentially means we can never take him into a crowd. So yeah, it's just a big thing to think about. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Sam, and you know, the responsible way to look at it. But something that amazes me time and again is how individual dogs are. You know, there are some dogs that you can do everything right with their socialization. You can, you know, do, take them to puppy classes. You can take them out to experience all the right things. And actually, they're still quite nervous in the world. You know, the, the dog has a big say in this, and they can, if they're quite a nervous, highly strung, I'm thinking of one of my own dogs I had in the past who was a highly strung collie who was just kooky in the real world. He, he really was a bit too tightly wrapped for real life. Even though you do everything right, they're still quite nervous. And I wouldn't take him. I never brought him into the office when I had him. You know, we have a dog's policy in the office. 
it wouldn't have been fair to him. It wouldn't have been fair to the rest of the office either, to yeah. be honest. It would have been noisy, you know, and it's about knowing your dog. And then there's other dogs, literally, you know, some, a big soft Labrador puppy, you could literally put it in a box for six months and it would come out wagging and asking for biscuits. You know, it, <laughs> the, the, even if you did everything wrong with some dogs, they're still do okay because they just cope with life. They're just happy and happy-go-lucky and easy. Yeah. And so you can do your best as much as you possibly can, obviously. And But at the end of the day, a puppy class in a car park for an hour with 10 other owners and little cute puppies that are all so well-behaved is a lot different to putting them in the middle of a street party. That's it. You know, you go to things like that for a little bit of dog-dog interaction. Hopefully there's some positive puppy interactions. And also to get some tips about basic training. It's not a substitute for socialization and habituation and taking them out in the world. It's it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's just one piece. With all of that in mind, if you do think your dog's going to cope with going to, to whatever celebrations are going on in your area, um, some of the things to think about, um, obviously, is... Um, you know, keeping them physically safer when they're there. You might want to keep them on on lead all of the time. Depends on the on the surroundings, of course. But take some treats with you as well if you do need to get their attention. If you do need them to come back to you or just to to get the, their focus on you, then having some really good treats. And we've talked before about training treats and having the smallest, tastiest treats and save those just for training. You know, the the really most valuable things that the dog, you know, your dog's really going to kind of look around for. Or their favourite toy. Some dogs, in an exciting situation, food goes out the window and they're not interested. The favourite squeaky toy, have that in your pocket and um, you know, get them switched on to that. So whatever pushes their buttons. And again, you're the person, you're the expert on your own dog. You'll know how best to, to get their attention when it matters. One other really useful tip here as well, just to round this section out, take your dog for a walk first. And this works really well for all habituation if you're taking them places to see things and do things. If you've taken the edge off them with a a nice bit of appropriate exercise for their age and their breed, and one caveat there, just be careful now the weather's getting warmer that you're not going to overheat them in the process, particularly for any of our um, shorter-nosed breeds that are listening today. Just be careful with overheating them with, with exercise. They'll then be happy. They've done what they wanted to do for the day. They'll put up with what you want them to do for the day a lot better, and it'll be, you know, they won't be so on edge and hyped up, actually, when you take them there. So that's a really good way to set yourself up for success with, with anything like this. Absolutely. And also, you can listen back to one of our previous episodes where we talked all about calling and keeping your puppy cool. So uh, yeah, have a whisk back and have a scroll through. It's all very, very good episodes with Dr. Sam and Dr. Hugh giving you loads of advice. So uh, not just this one, listen to the lot of them. Did you know Queen Victoria showed pride in the pedigree of her dogs? She showed six of her Pomeranians in the first Crufts Dog Show in 1891, and three of them ended up winning. Okay, let's move on to noise. Hugh, what should we be doing to make sure that the noise isn't too much for them? There'll probably be lots of, obviously, lots of loud music, crowd chatter, even a few fireworks. It's a street party, let's face it, it's not going to be quiet. I think those are very different things to, to think about. And okay. loud loud music and background noise is one thing. And that's, if it's really loud and really, you know, there are really sort of extreme noise levels there, I think be careful. But background noise, that's something you can habituate to. And the example I give, if you were stood next to a busy motorway and there's just a constant hum of background traffic, it's not going to startle you. It's not going to make you jump. 
it's it's something you're going to be using. You're not even going to think about it after a minute or two, are you? It's just kind of there. Mm. But if you were stood next to a quiet road and then somebody on a motorbike goes past at 150, it's going to make you jump out of your skin because it's going to be suddenly from nowhere, sudden noise. That's what a fireworks like is quiet night, suddenly whiz bang, and it's you can't predict it. You, you know, you, there's no way of knowing it's going to happen and being prepared for it. Mm. And that's why it's so frightening. That's why so many dogs have an issue with it. So I think knowing what the event is going to be like in advance, maybe talk to the organisers, know if there's going to be music, um, presumably there will be, but know if there are going to be fireworks. I think that's really important because that could really scupper the day if suddenly bangers start going off and you weren't aware of it. Um, so find out if there are going to be, and if there are, when they're going to be, and then you can plan around that. And there are some dogs, you know, they take fireworks in their stride. They have no issue with them at all. Others, totally frightened by them. But if in doubt, I would try and avoid loud exposure, unexpected exposure to fireworks with dogs, because it, if they don't have an issue with them before, it might start one. So I would always err on the side of caution with that. And it might be the time to pack your pup off home safe and you go with them if you know there's going to be fireworks happening. That might be the best thing for all concerned. Okay, so there have been some bangs. Scenario is we're erring on the side of caution and we're packing up the pup, taking him home. One of us is staying at the party. One of us is being the sensible puppy parent and going back with pup. What do we do once we're at home with them? So... When you're at home, if you know your pup's sensitive to fireworks, hopefully you've got a plan in place. But some things to think about if this will be the first time. Think about closing the curtains, closing the windows, so the the stimuli coming in from outside is less. Make sure they've got access to their crate or their safe place, whatever their favourite place in the house is. Think about putting some music on, um, just background music again, just to hide those sudden sounds from outside. Mm. That's all a really good starting point. And being there with them, just so you can see them, make sure they're not, um, you know, they're not panicking on their own. Yeah. So Buddy, as I said before, Buddy can handle louder background music, but fireworks really freak him out. He gets really distressed. And although he finds going in his crate a bit of a comfort, it's not always enough. What what other things can I do to, to help him be a little bit more calm? Yeah, I mean... It's not surprising he's worried about fireworks. Um, the RSPCA estimates about 45% of dogs in the UK show signs of fear when they hear them. So making sure they've got access to their crate or whatever their safe places in the house is really first important point, and that might be enough. But having the curtains closed, having the windows closed, cutting down on those stimuli coming in from outside, having some loud music on in the house... And also possibly reinforcing their crate a bit. So if, they, if they've got a crate, drape some blankets over it, drape some, put some cushions and duvets around it, effectively make it a little soundproof bunker for them, um, somewhere that's you know going to feel like it's a safer place than being outside. Okay, so you, I mean, I know that uh, the, the the rule of thumb and uh, well, the strict rule that we all sort of like shout from the rooftops as, as much as we can on these podcasts is never leave your puppy alone. But sometimes you actually have to. So, is there a rule of thumb as to how long you could actually leave them on their own if they're you know not crying for you, if if they're just quite happy to sit in their crate for an hour or so while you're at the party at, just outside in the street? Is it is it all right to leave them at home alone for a bit if they seem happy enough for you to do so if uh, hopefully your pup can cope with being left again it's something to work towards if they're not but yeah if they're comfortable with being left home alone that's entirely fine making sure they're safe they've got access to water the bed a bit of entertainment maybe you know with 
chews or toys or whatever, you know, whatever they pass the time with. Uh, but again, you know your dog, you know whether they'll cope with that or whether it's going to cause them distress. And that that's, you know, the really important point I keep coming back to on these. Moving on to Dr. Sam, what can we do? Uh, what kind of products are out there? They're at home, they're chilling, they're happy, they're quiet. There might be some separation anxiety that can make it a little bit more difficult for them. What other things can we do around the house to uh, chill out our pups? Um, I think, you know, we've, we've spoken about this quite a lot in firework ep- specific episodes, haven't we? But it's absolutely worth repeating. One of the main ones is a pheromone diffuser. Adaptal is one. There are other products, I believe, available as well. Kate, you can correct me on that if you wish to. The ideal with these is they're actually plugged in and starting to use about two to four weeks before the anticipated episode. Okay, so we're on, we're on the cusp now if, if you're listening to this podcast as it's broadcast at the time. We are, but I don't want to discourage anyone from from popping an adaptil or a, a pheromone diffuser in now anyway. Um, right. Depends when you're listening to the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Some people actually have their adaptils running all year. Uh, which is absolutely fine. So that's a biggie for me. Um, They also come in collar format. So it's a collar that you obviously pop around your dog, your puppy, um, and it's got a slow release of the pheromone. So that means obviously wherever the puppy goes, it's got the calming pheromone with it. As Hugh said, I just want to comment again on that, you know, the closing of the curtains, the muffling, the sounds, and and you'll know your own dog. Um, But if if you're using a pheromone diffuser, that's all good. There are some supplements you could also give that have calming properties. Um, Have a chat with our colleagues in Pets at Home um, or indeed your own vet or vet nurse at your practice. Uh, They'll certainly have some advice for you. And I suppose one other thing is if uh, you've got a trusted dog sitter, for example, or you use a service like Tailster, and it's important that this would be somebody you're your puppy would already be used to. So if you're looking to go back to the party, um, can you get a puppy sitter, a dog sitter? But I stress in this particular instant, I would go with somebody that you know um, and that it's you know, your puppy knows more importantly. Just to come in, that you know, those are all great suggestions from Sam. And just to pick up, particularly on the Adaptil collars, which is a pheromone product your pup takes with you wherever you go, those are a great aid to them going out into the wider world. So socializing, habituating, it's a great product for that. And if you are going to take them out to the, you know, the, 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 you know, Jubilee celebrations that we're talking about, if you just want to give them a little bit of a boost and a bit more reassurance in what they're doing, getting them fitted up with an adaptal collar and they just wear that, that just helps to make them a bit more confident and a little bit less anxious in, in those situations. So might be worth thinking about uh, for all situations. In 1885, Queen Victoria became the first royal patron of Battersea Dogs Home, and the charity has remained under royal patronage ever since. Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Cornwall, Camilla, is the current patron. Right, so we've focused mainly on street parties so far, but what if you're not going to a street party? What if you're just celebrating the Jubilee and having a little bit of a of a jubilee celebration in your own home. Dr. Sam, what can you do? I mean, the, the, the puppy, it's not just a case of it's in your house, so everything's going to be all right, is it? No, you're right. And, and it's a lot of the same suggestions apply, really. Um, you know, if you've not had large groups of people come around, around your home before with your puppy, then you've got to be prepared for that. Um, and you may even need to consider that it's not going to be okay. If your puppy's nicely socialised, you've had groups around before, you know, you should be fine. But I still think it's very important to create a safe space for them that they know they can just take themselves away to. Make sure any 
children that are coming to the party know, you know, if your dog's in the safe space, give them some, give them some space. Um, and just, you know, adult supervision when children are interacting with the dog, with the puppy. I could go on on quite a few things here. I'm, you know, I could talk about barbecue food, being careful with alcohol, anything that your dog might think that looks pretty tasty. We have touched upon this before, but I think it is poignant to actually um, repeat it again here because of uh, Jubilee parties, barbecue food and dogs. You know, people think, oh, it's great. You know, we can just chuck meat at dogs. They're just sitting there, all the smells from the barbecue and the meat being roasted. And it's not, it's not though, is it? No, I mean, Douglas likes to think that he's my sous chef when we're doing a barbecue, Um, (laughs) but he doesn't get to taste anything. Does he wear the hat? Uh, He would eat the hat, given half a chance. (laughs) So there's a couple of pointers around the barbecue and that's, well, it's, it's multiple factors here. One, it could be a novel food that your dog has never experienced. It could be safe for them, no bones, anything like that, cooked bones, mm. but they've never had that meat before. And you're also going to be putting lots of flavours on it. So it's just, you, you are heading towards a tummy upset. Cooked bones, they can splinter. That's always a no. Ouch. Always a no-no. Kebab sticks. No. Um, not only when they're, they're on the barbecue, you've put them in the bin, you've put the bin bag to the side. That is, that's gold dust to your, your puppy, your dog, and they can run around yeah. in there and, and get things out. And then something that actually I realized only last year with Douglas, he's very useful for this podcast. <laughs> we have a little tray under our barbecue that hangs and catches all the grease. And he made a beeline for it. And if I had a delicious soup, a delicious, a delicious soup, greasy soup, yeah, which he would given half the chance of licked the entirety up. And then you've got real risk of tummy troubles. Um, really not a good situation. So I would say you've just got to be careful around that barbecue. Um, perfect yeah. training opportunity, actually. Bit of boundary training, yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Um, very much so. But just just keep half an eye on them all the time or a whole eye, actually whole eye on your puppy at all times or even two whole eyes yeah okay we'll go with two (laughs) (laughs) don't bother going to a party just look at your puppy all the time 24 7 let's move out of the house and we're back on the street now so i know that uh, it's probably a quick and say well you might think it's a quick solution to getting your puppy out of the way of the noise and the party uh by putting them in the car that might be on your drive, which is in uh, close proximity to where the party's happening in the street. But Sam, tell us why that is a massive no-no. Because dogs die in hot cars. That's the simple message here. You crack a window, it's not enough. You leave the air conditioning on, it's not enough because sun Mm. will be coming through the windows and creating a hot box. Um, There is simply no reason or excuse to leave a puppy in a car, even five minutes. And, you know, we've said this before, parking in the shade, not enough, not enough. Mm. It gets so uncomfortably hot in cars um, and yet it still happens. Um, And another watch out here as well is there's going to be a lot of people around during this, this weekend, dog left alone in car, stealing. That's also a problem. Yeah. You know, the, the dog theft does happen, unfortunately, and I would hate for that to happen to somebody during a Jubilee party. Uh, so just no. And, and I mean, just whilst we're quickly talking about hot weather as well, just keep an eye on your conservatory at home too. That might be seem like a sensible, safe place, quiet place where no one else is. But if it's hot, that temperature can really rapidly rise in the conservatory. Oh, Hugh, one thing on the topic of sun, sun cream. So there are sun creams made for pets. 
I think there are situations when they're useful. I've never known anyone put sun cream on a tummy. I don't think it spends enough time in the sunlight to really need it. Top of the nose, possibly, on a dog, or if they've got a very pink nose, if they've got pink skin exposed there, if there's not a lot of pigment there, possibly. Okay, so let's take it as given now that uh, we're, we're still in the street party and you have a puppy who is happy to be outside. How do we keep them safe? Obviously, it is a street party. I would have assumed that most street parties don't have um, traffic driving up and down the middle of them. But obviously, you do not want your puppy running around loose. What do we do to keep them safe while they're actually outside in the party with us? So I think first thing is make sure that their collar or harness is nicely fitted to them. They're not going to slip their slip their collar, slip their harness. Keep them on a short leash. I would say at a street party, it's not advisable to use an extendable lead because they could just get through people's legs. I've got a vision in my head of an entire trestle table going over. <laughs> that was um, going to be my next comment. <laughs> yeah. So, and also just keeping them a little bit closer, you'll be able to sense if they're not quite happy, they're not doing so well. That collar, that harness must have a tag on it with your, your address, contact details on it. That's actually law when they're out and about. And obviously microchipping. Now, all puppies now should arrive at their new homes already microchipped. But the important thing here is to make sure that your details are up to date. So just double check. If you've moved recently, did you actually inform the microchip company? Have you changed mobile phones? Has your number changed? Anything like that? Because there are three situations where we're in a vet practice and a dog comes in and we scan them, which two of which are incredibly upsetting. One, no, no chip. So we cannot reunite that dog. Second, mm. there is a chip, but it's all the old details and we can't reunite that dog. And yet we know that there's an owner out there somewhere. Yeah. Thankfully, there are those brilliant situations. We scan the dog, we get the chip and we're making a phone call within about five minutes and phoning up an owner and saying, hey, your dog's here. Are you missing them? Like, yes, we've been looking for ages and boom, happy reunion. But if we can't find those details, we cannot reunite you. Now, if in the worst case scenario, your puppy does actually run off, uh, there's also a service uh, through our app, which is uh, Find My VIP. It's a 24-hour pet finding service, and you can sign up for it at www.petsathome.com forward slash Find My VIP. And I think Kate's going to put some details in the show notes as well. Did you know that the Queen has owned approximately 30 corgis during her 70-year reign? She was given her first personal corgi as an 18th birthday present and named her Susan. The Queen's connection with Susan was so strong that she took the corgi on her honeymoon with Prince Philip. Almost all the Queen's corgis have been descended from Susan until Willow, who finally passed away in 2018. Right, the party is in full swing. People are eating and talking and not paying attention to their dogs. What can people do to ensure that their puppies and dogs are entertained when human attention is elsewhere? Well, to answer that question, there's only one person to turn to, and that is Claire Gavin, who is Director of Creative Development and Innovations at Pets at Home. Hello again, Claire. Hi there, Kate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? 
I'm all right. So the party's in full swing. There are puppies running around everywhere. How do we keep them occupied? How do we keep them entertained? Well, gosh, I mean, they want to be involved in everything, don't they? Puppies are so curious and they just love to join in. When we're doing things like barbecuing and picnicking, we need to be careful that we're not giving them scraps. We're not giving them food that they shouldn't be having. That Actually, they've got their own treats and maybe they're things like little sausages cut up into little bits. Um, maybe not give them too much uh, just in case their tummies are sensitive and actually you don't want to pile on too many pounds with them or actually give them some toys that represent what you might be having at the barbecue. So there's a fabulous toy that's a string of sausages and who doesn't love to go run and catch a ball? Um, But also you want to make sure that they are uh, safely secured and close to you unless they're really, really good at uh, being off leash. So you need to make sure that they're safe. You might want to use a tie-out cable to do that. You basically screw them into the ground. It's just made from stainless steel rope, if you will. That keeps them controlled and and safe. You know that they're not going to run away anywhere. Oh, they're great. I actually have got one of those. We use them when uh, we take buddy camping, my dog. They're, um, they're very good and they're very reasonable. And just make sure that you get the right size for the size of your dog. So you will find that if you've got a bigger dog, the cable is thicker and not as long as it will be for a small dog. But uh, they are very, very good and very secure if you screw them into the ground firmly enough. So when do toys come into play, Claire? When, I'm assuming that you've got an array of uh, board and busters to take take us through. Yeah, we sell lots of things like snaffle mats. So it's almost like a bath mat with lots of strips of felt joined. You pick this felt up, you can hide uh, food and treats under them, and that will keep your, your dog or puppy amused for some time ferreting out the, uh, the kibble. We obviously sell lots of the very famous Kong, which you can fill with paste. And actually, if you freeze that paste, it will take the dog a lot longer to get it out. But we also sell a lot of things that are called licky mats. That's like a a flat tray almost with a sort of stipple inside. Basically, you could take some dog-friendly peanut butter. So I wouldn't suggest you use a human peanut butter because there'd be a very high high salt content and high sugar content in it. So there is peanut butter designed, (laughs) designed especially for dogs. You can spread that thinly on a licky mat. You can also freeze the licky mat with the peanut butter on it, which will take the dog longer to, to lick all the bits out of it. You could use a cream cheese as well. Or do you know what? If it's a hot day, what dog doesn't love to play with frozen toys? Even a soft toy can be soaked in water. If your dog, the squeaker might not work again, ever. But normally they do because I, I put a lot of my um, my dog's plush toys into the washing machine. And uh, once they're tumbled uh, and dried properly, the squeakers have worked again. I've only had one that's failed. But actually, if your dog loves nothing more than a comfort plush, there is no reason why you shouldn't just soak it in water, freeze it in a bag in your freezer to make sure that it's hygienic and, and give that to your dog. That will keep them cool, even if they just use it as a pillow. That's a really good idea. And also you've got other things like porcelain. Seco and other flavoured waters and things like that. I guess you could dip the toys in those and then freeze those so they've got a little bit of flavour going on as well. Porsecco is perfect for a street party at Jubilee time. And, gotcha. And, and actually just in a cooling family picnic in the summer. A Porsecco is, is basically a botanical tincture which you can pour over food. Some dogs don't like it neat. They prefer it just as a, a, a liquid that 
that gives their kibble a bit a bit of juiciness. Um, but it's a great product. And yeah, of course, you can chill that. And uh, when I got my puppy, somebody, the, the breeder said to me that what was a brilliant idea was to take some bone broth and put that into a plastic bottle. Oh, what human? Not not human bones, but human made bone broth. Yeah, I mean you can get it for you can get it for dogs. So it's used as um, a kind of a hydration uh, to add to dry kibble. It's super trendy in the states. I mean, my goodness, there are so many options, and and it's coming here. It's a growing trend, and we'll see that hugely in the next few months, I think. But if you just get a big plastic bottle, even if it's a two liter old lemonade bottle, uh, fill it with some water and and add some bone broth so that it's tasty for the dogs. Freeze it. That's hours of fun. Even if you use a small bottle because they'll roll it around the garden. So actually, you know, if they're on their tie-out cable, if they can play with something like that as well, it's cheap. It's affordable for us all to do. And the other thing that I do, well, I think I've trained, I've trained Amber to love more than anything else ice cubes. If I open my freezer to get out anything, she is there. And actually, sometimes I freeze some bone broth. Sometimes I freeze a a treat within an ice cube just to make it more interesting. I mean, she's not bothered. She'll just have it plain water. But it's a great way of getting hydration into a dog. Did you know that after the death of Prince Philip, the Queen was given two corgi puppies, one called Fergus, who sadly died after five months, and another called Mick, who is currently alive and well. So hopefully, listener, you are now fully equipped to have a wonderful pup-friendly Jubilee celebration. And just to tie up some loose ends here, Sam, do you have any other last-minute hints or tips that you'd like to include before we uh, disappear and get on our glad rags and go for a party? Uh, just one thing from me, actually. If you feel that your your puppy would benefit from having a bit of music in the background, We've actually created a couple of Spotify playlists um, under the Pets at Home banner, uh, and uh, it's all all around calming music. If you just do a search on Spotify, Pets at Home, calming music, you'll find the playlists. Uh, it's about four, I think, actually. Oh, cool. So you could just play those quietly in the background while your puppy is calmly in his crate. Excellent. Well, on that note, I would like to say thank you to my guests. Thank you to Claire Gavin. Oh, thanks so much, Kate. It's lovely to see you again. Dr. Hugh Stacey, thanks, Hugh. Thank you, Kate. And Dr. Sam Butler-Davis, thanks, Sam. Thanks, Kate. And you have been listening to the Platinum Jubilee special of the Pets at Home Puppy Podcast with me, Kate Cornish, and Dr. Sam and Dr. Hugh and the lovely Claire Gavin. And don't forget, the information you've heard today is relevant to all summer parties, not just street parties uh, for the Jubilee. And for more expert advice, you can visit vetsforpets.com and the pet talk section of petsathome.com. There's even more advice over on the Wagging Tail Facebook group. It's created with puppies and their parents in mind, and you will be able to surround yourself with like-minded owners who understand your struggles and celebrate your breakthroughs with your pup. Plus, the puppy picture spam is a treat to behold. Also, don't forget to join our puppy club where you can receive tailored offers and discounts. And do please get in touch with us on all of our socials. We are at Pets at Home UK on Instagram 
And for some reason, it's different on Twitter. It's at Pets at Home on Twitter. One final thing, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and also uh, share the words with your friends and family who uh, may be thinking about getting or have just got a little furry friend. So thanks everyone and uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.